Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary, and today I'm sitting down with Dr. Mark Van Rijmanen. Dr. Rijmanen is a futurist, a tech strategist, a keynote speaker, and an author of three books on organizational leadership, management, and digital transformation. He speaks on the future of work. He writes on emerging technologies, blockchain, AI, machine learning, data, analytics, robotics, anything that can help optimize and improve how companies operate and compete in the years to come. We live in exponential times, and he works with organizations to help them adapt their organization to exponential futures so they don't get disrupted. He holds a PhD in management from the University of Technology in Sydney, Australia. He's spoken in over 20 countries. He has multiple best-selling books, and he's worked with notable companies such as Microsoft, Capgemini, and Fujitsu. We're going to speak about his origin story, new technology, which is permeating organizations, as well as some insights that he has for companies that are looking to adopt and implement new strategies, new technologies, and new ideas. This episode is also graciously sponsored by three sponsors, BKA Content, the one-stop shop for all your content copy and writing needs, Gusto, the complete payroll and HR solution for small businesses, and Canva, democratizing design so that anyone can make everything to do with their business and their marketing collateral look absolutely beautiful. All three of these companies have special offers for Success Story podcast listeners, so stick around, listen to the episode, you'll get those offers exclusive to this audience. Without further ado, let's get right into it, Dr. Mark Van Rijmanen. The era of linear thinking is over, um, and uh, you know we've really, we are really coming out of the curve of the hockey stick uh, when it comes to technologies because all these technologies are converging at the moment. All right. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I am sitting down with Dr. Mark Van Rijmanam. He is the digital speaker. He is an international keynote speaker on the future of work and the organization of tomorrow. He delivers virtual keynotes and webinars. He is the author of three best-selling management books on big data, blockchain, and AI. His latest book, The Organization of Tomorrow, details how AI, blockchain, and analytics turn your business into a data organization. He is the founder of dataflock.com. He recently founded maven.org, a decentralized reputation-based content network. He holds a PhD in management from the University of Technology in Sydney, where he researched big data, blockchain, and AI, and how they're impacting businesses and organizations. Uh, he is also a publisher of a newsletter that is read by thousands of executives on the same topics. He's spoken globally uh, on to over hundreds of thousands of individuals, 
and he is a recognized speaker by the Professional Speaker Association of Holland, as well as being a member of the Global Speakers Federation. All on really interesting, really bleeding edge topics. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for sitting down. Um, I really appreciate it, and, and I'm excited to unpack how you got into some of these topics because these are all very, very cutting edge and, and new. So walk me through, walk me through your story. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Scott. Um, it's a great pleasure to be on your show and uh, really looking forward to the conversation. So, yes, I'm, I'm really uh, yeah, involved in, 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 in yeah, bleeding edge uh, technology, uh, future technology um, and how they impact organizations, how they impact society. Um, and I'd like to think about, you know, what do these new technologies do? Um, how do they work? Um, how do they apply and how, how do they affect us as human beings, us as, but also us as organizations and our society. Um, and I, I have, don't have a very uh, straightforward uh, uh, career path because I a long time ago I started in hospitality. Um, I, I was part of uh, the opening team that opened the first ski resort in the Middle East. So something completely different. Um, but uh, after, in a sense, about uh, a decade now, uh, I am really involved in uh, in emerging technologies. Um, uh, big data, blockchain, and AI are for me the three main technologies that I look into because they affect so many of the different yeah, other technologies. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy being in this space because there's so much happening and, and the world is changing so fast at the moment that it's, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of people, even for me, you know, it's my job to stay up to date. Uh, but it's, 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 uh, it's very difficult to, to, to stay up to date because, you know, the world is changing so, so rapidly. Um, and I, but I really enjoy doing that. So, um, and I help organizations understand these technologies while at the same time applying these same technologies within my own companies so uh, i call myself a future tech strategist so not only yeah uh, talking about tech but actually also applying tech and and now that so that's that is an interesting uh, career path what i guess is it just a natural inclination towards tech and towards new and bleeding edge things so i guess my my question is you were you were in hospitality at one point but now you're the founder of, of several organizations. Uh, you have a, you've written books on, on the topic. So walk me through that transition in your career. Did you jump into entrepreneurship? Did you study and start doing consulting? Did you build an organization? And then after that was successful, move into speaking? What was that like for you? Sure. So um, after I did my uh, degree in hospitality management, um, as I said, I moved to Dubai to to live there for some time. Um, uh, after that, I did a master's degree um, in marketing management, um, and I ended up at the uh, the ING uh, headquarters, uh, Dutch center, yeah, a large Dutch bank, um, uh, where I moved more and more into the marketing space. Uh, but I gave it up after a couple of years because I went to an, on, a, on a big adventure with a friend of mine. So we uh, circumnavigated Australia on a pushbike uh, wow. in 100 days, uh, which was uh, you know, an absolutely fantastic experience that I can recommend anyone to do. Um, it's just you know, 100 days of, of, of just you know, eat, drink, uh, sleep and cycle um, and, and nothing else, uh, which was uh, fantastic. But the thing is, you know, after such an adventure, you don't really want to work for, for, <laughs> for a buzz anymore. So um, I, I tried starting my own company. Um, I failed uh, miserably, unfortunately. So I had to get a job I ended up as a consultant uh, uh, focused on you know uh, uh, yeah, strategy uh, from an anal analytics perspective um, I didn't really like it so I, <laughs> I got myself fired uh, and then I, I decided to, uh, to start to give it another shot and literally over the weekend I, I thought you know what shall I do what what can I do um, I thought you know uh, big data is going to be a hot topic um, let's do something in big data 
So I didn't have any understanding or any knowledge about big data. Uh, so uh, I, I set up a website the next, uh, next day, um, taught myself uh, about big data, started writing about it. Um, and a month and a half later, I was invited as a keynote speaker, as the expert on big data, um, <laughs> which to me was absolutely crazy. Um, it was even a paid gig. Um, and it was uh, totally crazy for me. But it, it also showed to me, apparently, there's something in this space. Um, and there's a saying we have, you know, in the land of the blind, the one eye is king. Um, uh, so I decided to 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 really go down the rabbit hole um, and and explore this 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 uh, this uh, fascinating industry. Um, and from there on, it sort of uh, yeah, moved really fast because I started writing articles. And uh, from 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 the first articles came my first book, uh, Think Bigger. Then in 2015, I got the opportunity uh, to do a PhD at the University of Technology in Sydney. Uh, they gave me a few scholarships. So I, I, you know, Australia is not the most logical place to do a PhD on technology, but I just wanted to live there uh, a bit more longer, uh, long term. Uh, so I moved to Australia, um, and um, after about six months in, I came into contact with uh, with blockchain, um, um, and, and and I saw that this technology is such a, a fundamental technology that is going to have a, a drastic impact uh, on on society. That I uh, basically uh, completely restarted my PhD, uh, changed direction, um, and included uh, blockchain and at the same time also AI uh, in my PhD. Uh, during my PhD, I co co-wrote um, a book on blockchain um, and and how we can use it for social good uh, because I think that that's that's yeah how we can use technology from a positive perspective is is very important to me. Um, and uh, at the end of my PhD, um, uh, I turned my my dissertation into a management book because dissertations are, <laughs> are boring to read, <laughs> and a management book is a bit easier to read. Um, so I, I turned my book my, my dissertation into the management book, the organization of tomorrow. Um, it's same time, I had found Datavlog, a content platform, um, and yeah, I think I've really found my sweet spot uh, because I really, really enjoy being in this, you know, this 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 bleeding edge technology, um, and at the same time helping organizations, you know, understand uh, what's happening. Um, so since that first uh, keynote I gave in 2012, um, I've been doing keynotes uh, until last year, obviously until Corona yeah. hit. Um, uh, I used to fly all around the world, and that stopped. I haven't been in a plane for about a year and a half. It's absolutely crazy. Crazy. I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> it's it's totally crazy. Um, and uh, but so, but I, I decided to reinvent myself. Um, and since I talk about digitalization, um, I decided to, to digitize myself. Um, and that's where yeah. uh, uh, that's where the, the digital speaker concept comes from. Uh, which basically, yeah, I'm now available as an avatar. Uh, I'm available as a hologram or a combination of both. Um, and I have uh, recently started my own podcast, or uh, what I call it, the, the tech journal, uh, where uh, the digital speaker covers the digital world literally from inside the digital world uh, because it's recorded in virtual reality um, at the moment just like a, a proof of concept so not yet available in VR but that's just a matter of time uh, when I move yeah, to that sure. uh, because you know, I think it's a fascinating area to, to explore um, and it, it, it really brings everything together of, of what I do and what I like I love the story. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, self-taught moments in there, and I appreciate that as well. Just because I think that that's something that is very inspirational for people that are trying to pivot in their careers. For example, um, you're not a developer or a coder by by trade when you first graduated from university. Not not your PhD, but like earlier on, you went to hospitality. But um, you took advantage of the fact that there was probably not a lot of focus on a lot, like you said, in a, in a month and a half of studying big data from a business perspective, you're able to educate some organizations. So it just goes to show you how much of a lack of, of 
proper understanding of emerging technology there is in businesses, in large businesses, where I think you see a lot of, you probably worked with a lot of like coders, developers that were kind of in the, the startup space, but those are not the ones that were entrenched in large organizations. So I think a lot of the, a lot of your, your success was the fact that you had a business mind and you understood the application. And that's just a personality trait that want to sort of explore that and, and, and figure out how it's going to impact organizations. And now you, now you have like a, an actual uh, brand around that. So it's incredible. But do you see, do you see companies starting to understand these trends? Um, you said, what was this? Like, I guess when you first started doing this and, and, and sort of building uh, an audience and a community around these bleeding edge tech in 2013, what did you say? 2012. 2012. 2012. Did you, obviously back then companies were, nobody's ever heard of really, really blockchain, you know, use cases. AI was sort of like a, okay, maybe in the future. Do you see companies starting to understand these technologies more, use them more, apply them more in their day to day? Or for many companies, is it still very theoretical? I think it's it's you know the 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 really you know, top five the Fortune five hundred companies they are you know, really doing big data doing experimenting with blockchain and and you know doing with AI, but I think for the the majority of of you know the SMEs uh, I think there are around seventy million SMEs in the world, um, um, I think the majority is still doing what they've always been doing you know running a company doing it most of them doing it really well, um, uh, using some technology uh, but not really the bleeding edge technology that I'm that I'm focusing on. Um, and when I started with, you know, exploring the world of big data in 2012, um, um, at that time, I thought, you know, it's, it, it's about five, five to seven years before er everyone is doing big data and big data is, yeah. you know, completely normalized um, um, across you know, all SMEs. And that's still definitely not the case. Um, and the same is for, for you know, blockchain um, and AI. It, it, it's, it's, I think it's still really early days. We see... Um, really cool examples of AI, you know, uh, by DeepMind, by OpenAI, you know, GPT-3 and, and all the other, you know, yeah. AlphaGo Zero, Mu Zero, whatever. Um, really cool technology being developed. Um, uh, but the actual, uh, you know, the SMEs um, actually implementing that, I think it's still relatively limited. Um, and I think yeah. <laughs> there, there, there are two reasons for that. I think first of all is is is, is a, a, a lack of understanding. You know, what do, what do these technologies mean and how actually... Do you start with these technologies? Um, not only from uh, you know the uh, the senior management within the company, but also you know everyone in the company. It, it's yeah. my vision that if you want, if you want to really digitally transform your organization, you need to have a shared understanding across the entire organization. So that means you know from the operational staff to 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 uh, middle management to senior management. Everyone needs to have the same understanding. What do these technologies mean, and what do they mean for us as an organization? Um, and that and that understanding is often lacking. You know, you maybe you know uh, mm -hmm. some people uh, within uh, senior management or or VP level or C level they might have an understanding, but everyone in the in the business, you know, from the the call center they agent to the warehouse uh, uh, operator, everyone needs to understand how how this works. Um, and that's that's a that's a major challenge. Um, and then I think the second um, uh, uh, problem is that you know if you really want to move into uh, AI or uh, blockchain it also requires the right developers and uh, the, the right resources um, and yes there are plenty of people doing um, uh, really cool stuff developing uh, really cool technology uh, but 
still not enough for, for all those 70 million SMEs. So, yeah. uh, and, and they are very expensive uh, for yeah. good reason because they, they develop really cool, cool things. Um, uh, and, then, and I think that's also a problem. So then you need to, to work with you know, the software as a service uh, or X as a service uh, solutions. Um, uh, but, but uh, yeah, um, these take time to be developed as well. So I think that, that's sort of the, 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 the challenge here that organizations face in, in really digitally transforming uh, your organization. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. Gusto is the easy online payroll and benefit solution set up for small businesses. So really, Gusto is payroll, benefits, onboarding, HR, all in one place. And it helps you accomplish all of that. But keep in mind, it is built for the business owner. It is a people-first platform. It is the most user-friendly tool that I've ever used. And this is really just to remove all the busy work, all the admin work away from running a business. So let me just list out what it takes care of because it really is an all-in-one. So it does payroll, W-2s, 1099s, health benefits, 401ks, uh, offer letters, onboarding checklists, software setup. They transition your entire business from whatever you're previously using to Gusto free of charge. They also have on-demand access to HR experts in the platform. You can get unlimited payrolls for a monthly price, automatically file all of your taxes, state and federal. When customers migrate to Gusto, they don't leave. 94% of their customers say that Gusto has dramatically streamlined all of their payroll headaches compared to whatever software they're using before. And three out of their four customers say that they can run their entire company's payroll in under 10 minutes, which is absolutely insane. And a huge, huge, huge savior for anybody that is trying to run a business themselves that doesn't have all the help in-house just yet. Or perhaps they do have the help and they're just not efficient or they're not quick and you want to perhaps scale that person, that's what Gusto can do for you. And they're also offering a great discount for everybody who is a Success Story podcast listener. They're giving you three months free of the tool. So if you go to gusto.com slash Scott, you get three months free of payroll solutions. There's no limitations on your account. So go to gusto.com slash Scott, sign up, and you will remove all of the headache when it comes to running your business. And you can now work on your business as opposed to in your business. Gusto.com slash Scott. I promise you this will get rid of all, all the pain points, all the headache. This will be the best business decision you've ever made. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, now, so a couple of points. So I want to. This, this is really good, and I want to. I want to break this down. So, um, the organization of tomorrow. That's your. That's your most recent book. And there's a couple of different technologies that companies can use. So first, let's just describe for me and for listeners who, because there's a wide variety of listeners. Um, what What is a digital transformation for an organization? What does that actually mean? Um, and is what's the message that you tell these C levels executives? Uh, the reason why they have to digitally transform their their company. So I think 
the reason why an organization needs to digitally transform your business is very simple. You know, you want to you want to remain competitive. Um, uh, you know, there, there are too many examples of organizations, you know, of, of incumbent organizations that um, didn't you know, uh, reinvent themselves or didn't update themselves um, and, and and lost the game. You know, a famous example being Kodak, who um, invented digital photography and then failed to do anything with it. Um, uh, so, um, as an organization, you you need to continuously disrupt yourself, reinvent yourself, uh, just like I did. You know, as a small yeah. Small speaker organization. Um, you, you need to you need to continue to reinvent yourself. Um, and um, in order to do that, you know, um, in the book I describe um, a digital transformation framework of how you can digitally transform your organization, which I think consists of four steps: um, uh, datafying, distributing, um, uh, analyzing, and automating. So um, uh, to, to 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 expand it a little bit. Uh, first, you, of course, you need to datafy your organization. Without data, you can't you know, do any. Uh, you can't benefit from the the, uh, the exponential technologies that we have. Um, so you need to uh, collect data in, in all your processes, in all your customer touch points, whether that is using uh, you know, connected sensors or IoT devices to to understand what's going on, or to to, to other way to to. Yeah, collect the data that you need. Once you have the collected the data, you need to start to distribute the data either using the cloud, so that you know everyone within the organization has access to it, and it becomes uh, you have you know, sort of a data lake where you know uh, data doesn't live in silos anymore, but is available to anyone within within the business. Or you can use blockchain um, if you want to um, uh, collaborate with your industry peers in a more effective and efficient way. Uh, for example, in supply chains, where we can get rid of all the paper trail, all the paperwork, if we move to blockchain. And, so, that's, and that is what, it, oh, sorry, because you said there was four, so I, and yeah. I, I think I could. <laughs> uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's two more. You can't leave us hanging. <laughs> so uh, the, the third step is indeed then uh, to analyze your data because, you know, it's yeah. nice to, 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 to datafy your business, to, to distribute the data, but you also need to do something with that data. Um, so you can use the, uh, a descriptive, uh, predictive or prescriptive analytics uh, to do something with this data. And the way I, I always, you know, I, I explain this to organizations is, you know, descriptive analytics is like business intelligence. It's like the, the rear view mirror in your car. You know, it helps you understand what has happened from one second ago to 10 years ago. But if you drive your car by simply looking in your rear view mirror, you are certainly going to crash. So um, you need predictive analytics, which is you know your car's navigation system that tells you the most optimal route that based on various variables and various scenarios. So you use all kinds of data to, to, to predict scenarios and then you make decisions yourself. Um, and then the final phase of understanding your business is prescriptive analytics, which is, you know, your car is, is basically um, a self-driving car driving you autonomously to your destination. Using all kinds of data that you analyze, you build scenarios, and then the system uh, uh, selects the best scenarios uh, autonomously. Um, so that, that really helps you already to, to improve your organization, to understand, you know, what's happening in your environment and to, to, sense, in, uh, to, to sense those opportunities and to seize them. Uh, then the final phase in, in digitally transforming a business is to automate that. Um, you know, to automate the various steps to to use artificial intelligence or to use uh, smart contracts when uh, when you talk about blockchain to 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 create more human to machine collaboration, as I call it, where you can automate the autonomous task, the, the monotonous uh, monotonous task, uh, where you can automate um, uh, uh, a lot of the work uh, using AI to make your organization more effective and efficient. So four steps, which I think you know um, help organizations understand. Um, in digitally transforming uh, their organizations, and and the the re reason that they need to do that is you know you, you want to remain competitive because you know there are always new organizations, startups who who have this ingrained in their DNA um, and, and are therefore a, a lot yeah uh, uh, very competitive and a very uh, difficult opponent to win from.
D definitely. And, and I think that, I think that that's something that I've, so I, that was sort of, you know, I was interested in, in this conversation about digital transformation because I am, you, you, the way you speak about digital transformation, I'm a hundred percent behind. And I believe that that is the way the companies have to act and the way the companies have to modernize and future-proof. Um, but I do not see companies really taking this as seriously as I think some of them should. I feel like, uh, so if we look at the world of, of blockchain, for example, uh, probably because it's more, it's, it's just, it's very, it's been very adopted by the end consumer versus AI or big data, which is very much in terms of a business application. And when I say blockchain, obviously you have the, the business applications like smart contracts and whatnot, which I think are even less so adopted and understood than, for example, decentralized finance or DeFi, because everybody and their mother is now trying to trade crypto and make money. Right. So, so. Even even in blockchain, which is a widely used application, I still don't see a ton of businesses, for example, using smart contracts in the way that they transfer data between different organizations and whatnot. And I see companies, yeah, I, I do see companies like IBM that's trying to do things and I'm sure like Oracle and like these really, you said, like large Fortune 500. But how do we, how do we take legacy fortune 500 or fortune 100 or even just like you said like smes and like for for everybody who's listening smes small medium enterprise like smaller businesses so how do we how do we get these people to get on board or is it just a matter of it's the culture of the organization and it's the executive team of the organization that that has to be into it and if they're not they're probably going to go the way of the you know, Kodak or the way of the blockbuster, or the, the way of the taxis or any, any other company has been, <laughs> has been well, uprooted. I, I, th I think, you know, if you're as, as an organization, you, you don't reinvent yourself. You don't start to digitally transform your business. You are going to be out in the next, you know, uh, uh, three to five to 10 years, depending on your, your industry. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you will have to, um, um, to, to answer your, your, uh, your question regarding blockchain, you know, it's, uh, blockchain is a very nascent technology still. Um, and, you know, I always compare it to, to like the, the early days of the internet. Um, and uh, um, um, it, it is not, you know, uh, plug and play technology yet. It, it's, yeah. it, it's difficult. Um, and apart from the technology being difficult, it's, it's also from an organizational perspective difficult. Because as an organization, you need to uh, collaborate with your industry partners. You need to come to, to, to terms in, in what kind of uh, a blockchain you're going to use, what kind of standards, what, what kind of, you know, all these things that you uh, um, need to get an, a, a shared understanding uh, of with your, your supply chain partners, um, that takes time. You know, it's, that's from a human perspective. We don't like change. Um, uh, mm -hmm. It's very difficult to change. Uh, it's very difficult to get everyone aligned. Um, um, so um, I think that's one of the reasons why it takes so, much, so, so, so long. So apart from the technology still being in, under development, and still a lot of, you know, um, uh, the, the, the blockchain ecosystem um, is, you know, a lot of the technology still need to be developed or is, is really early stage and is, is not, you know, production ready yet. But yeah. at the same time, um, organizations, they, they need to work differently and they need to change. And as I said, you know, you as humans, we don't like change. Um, um, so that's why I think it, it, it takes so long uh, to do so. Um, but it is for me, it is something that I mean, you know, it, it, it's obvious that we're going to into this direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology, 
you can't stop um, and um, uh, the technolo technological pro uh, uh, advancements are only going faster um, and we are um, you know in in the next uh, five to ten years um, when the future of work has arrived so to say um, I, I do think that you know organizations will look uh, uh, fundamentally different than uh, than today do you see do you have any examples top of mind of, of organizations that are doing uh, go, undergoing a proper digital transformation now that you look to and you're like this is this is the model that we should look at um, well, one example that I always use, um, uh, because I think it's a fascinating example, um, is, is, a, is a German co a company called Käse Compressors, uh, very traditional, um, very traditional product company, uh, you know, uh, building these really huge um, air ventilation uh, uh, products for like large factories, warehouses, etc. You know, uh, uh, if there's one company who you wouldn't expect to, to digitally transform themselves, it's such a company. Uh, uh, but they did. Um, and uh, they used to sell these large machines for a lot of money uh, they would install it um, and then uh, they would leave and if it would break down uh, you would give them a call they would come they would fix it and they would send you an invoice for for fixing it um, uh, nowadays what they do is they um, uh, uh, they install this machine these, these machines for free um, um, uh, and they, they sell um, air as a service literally mm -hmm. so uh, you pay per cubic meter air you consume uh, and they use all kinds of predictive analytics to predict, you know, when the machine is about to break down, uh, and then they send someone to fix it before it breaks down. Because obviously, if it breaks down, it costs the, to the company money. Um, um, so it is, it's a completely different way of, of thinking, you know, um, a completely different perspective. Um, and they have managed. Uh, they are one of the few companies in the world that make money by selling air, um, and uh, which I think is a is a fascinating example. That is a that is a really fascinating example. Um, and and how is like do you, do you know how they're doing as an organization? Is this a concept that's catching on? Like are they are they successful in this in this setup? Um, I think I think they are. You know, they they are yeah. a hundred year old traditional German company, and uh, oh. uh, I, I you know they 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 surviving, and I think they're actually thriving uh, by by taking this different approach. Um, and um, that's what I always pre tell organizations as well. You know, you, you need to achieve this different perspective, or or you know, also again, a beautiful one of the most beautiful German words. Uh, you need to achieve this Gestalt shift um, <laughs> um, uh, within within your organization, and the Gestalt shift for those you know uh, who wonder what it is. It, it's this famous image for a duck and a rabbit and you can you either see a duck or you see a rabbit but you can't see them both at once you can switch between them and that's called the gestalt shift where you where you where you, you move uh, um, uh, from one perspective uh, to another um, and um, I think that's that's the interesting uh, uh, thing that organizations need to achieve you know you need to achieve this gestalt shift from you know yes you are from a product company to to a data organization where you mm -hmm. uh, are like uh, you know you look differently at, at how you service your customers um, and you have the stakeholder model instead of a shareholder model. Um, and if you do that, you know, if you take care of your customers, I always say, then your, your customers will take care of your shareholders. Interesting. Okay. I like that perspective as well. So there's a few, there's a few themes that I see that are sort of uh, recurring. So uh, data, so moving from a product oriented organization into a data, into a data organization um, and data is not just by your definition, like big data, it's, it's, it's using data points to, better serve your customer so it's yeah so i guess that that is technically the definition of big data it's, it's understanding all the data points and then building that into your process but also i guess with with blockchain or ai or 
or even just understanding your your market better, right? Those are you're a data driven organization. Um, the the traditional organization shareholder the shareholder oriented organization um, that's a difficult thing to move away from. Uh, I I I don't know personally any examples of companies that have moved away from a shareholder focused organization to a stakeholder focused organization. It seems like it's a scary thing for a company to do because at the end of the day, who who owns the company who pays the bills how how would a company approach that and that's a that's a heavy topic and that's a that's a tough question so i'm just curious if you have information like an, an idea of how a company could start to make that move and validate that serving their customers better backing that with data could allow them to sort of slowly remove that grip that a shareholder would have on how they do business uh, for the past 10 20 30 years because that is probably what stops companies from truly changing it's it's yeah. who owns them. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, BKA Content. I have worked my entire career in and around marketing, which means that throughout my entire career, I've also focused on creating incredible content, creating incredible written content, and I've tried outsourcing. I've tried hiring in-house, I've tried getting freelancers, and creating great copy, writing great blogs that really resonate with your readers, your audience, that are keyword optimized, SEO optimized, driving tons of traffic. It's really hard to get right, and it's even harder to get right at a good affordable price because I've actually tried almost every potential content writing and copy writing option out there. And usually you have to default to just hiring a very expensive copywriter that you have to have on your team that knows your products well and your service as well. So they can really, really write great content that converts. Now, BKA content is the one service that I've personally used that always, always creates incredible content that drives traffic, hits the right keywords, but the writers also just really get the products. So I'm happy to stand behind this service because I know all the garbage that's out there and BKA content truly is something that you can use to augment your existing marketing efforts, your copy and your content writing. Or if you already have people in house, this can just help you scale them without having to hire full-time copywriters because that's the quality that they commit to and they deliver. So I'm happy to say that anybody who just heard me spiel about BKA. If you don't trust me, well, at least go and try them. And this is the offer that they're going to give you just to prove the type of quality of content they put out into the world and they can deliver for your business. If you go to bkacontent.com slash success, exclusive for all success story podcast listeners, you can get one month free of content. So that's bkacontent.com slash success. You can take my word for it or not. You can go try them out. You can see the quality of content that they put out, and then I can guarantee you, you will start to use them going forward for all of your copy needs. So that's bkacontent.com slash success. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah, but I think it, it, it would be in, in, the, in the shareholders' 
best own interest to move from a shareholder model to a stakeholder model. Um, um, because I think a, a shareholder model is by, by definition a, a, a short-term model, short-term focused model. Um, and long-term is generally always better. You know, yeah, it takes a bit longer, but in, in generally long-term approach, long-term perspective works way better than a short-term perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a company called Unilever. Uh, maybe you've heard of yeah. it. It's a lot, one of the largest FMCG uh, companies in the world, I think. And that, to, as far as I know, they have this this, this stakeholder stakeholder model. Um, uh, you know, where they you know, they're very much on, focused on on sustainability, very much focused on you know caring for the planet, caring for for for, for the customers, um, caring for their employees um, in in a ways that in a way that I think you know many organizations can learn from. And um, um, yeah, I I have a, as I mentioned at the start, I have a hospitality background, and and if, if there's one thing that you learn from hospitality is that you, you have to take care of your guests because if you, if you if you don't offer the best service for your guests, you, your guests just go away. You know, they go to a different hotel, different restaurant, or whatsoever. Um, you know, you can you can have a restaurant and you can have uh, crappy food, but if you have an amazing uh, waiter or waitress, uh, you know, you, you can still have a really really good evening and you can still come back. Um, if it's the other way around, you certainly will won't come back to that restaurant uh, because a, a waiter or a waitress can really ruin your evening even though the, the food might be fantastic so you, you really need to have this this um, uh, thinking of you know how can i take care of, of my customers how can um, I, I offer the best uh, product or service uh, for that and you know and once you start doing that you you will look differently at you know at your employees how can i make sure that my employees are happy because if my employees are happy then they will do, do their best for that for the customers um, um, what do they need you know what kind of uh, data do they need what kind of insights do they need for them to make the decision you know again the comparison to the hospitality industry um, uh, uh, in a in a uh, uh, you know especially you know the, the high end uh, uh, industry you know, a lot of the, the the operational staff they have you know decision making power uh, to just fix a problem you know don't care how you do it but just make sure that the guest is happy um, um, and if you bring that to you know other organizations where uh, uh, you use data to 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 lower the decision making power from the executive level to anyone who is facing the customer or anyone within the organization that needs to make it a decision uh, and give them the full transparency uh, to to make that decision then I think uh, you will have um, a much better outcome than when you don't do that so data can really help you give this transparency, give this decision-making capability to anyone within the organization so that they can then make the best decision, uh, 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 which is in the best interest for the customer and therefore automatically for the organization. I love that. I love uh, that. So uh, the the ability to use data properly in an organization, um, it, it permeates all aspects of how the organization runs. And I see, I see that, that that's, that's really where the future of an organization lies. Um, I, I, I have some questions about the future of, of work as well, but I just, I'm curious when you just uh, uh, one more question on sort of on this topic, when you speak to all these managers and these directors and these executives, do you know what stage are they at in their organization? Are they just doing this as a introduction in the past two years, let's say, are they doing this as an introduction into all of these topics or are they working on a project? Are they already incorporating some of these ideas into their organization or is this net new for them? That that really depends. Um, you know, when I come into an organization uh, for for you know um, a keynote or a session or a workshop or whatsoever, um, um, it is I focus really on the on the on the starting point of your digital transformation mm-hmm. process. 
as I said, you know, the shared, uh, achieving the shared understanding within the business, uh, because normally, you know, what often happens is one department might, th might think one way um, and the other department might think totally different way. And if these are not uh, if these are not aligned, then it becomes very difficult to to digitally transform your organization. Um, so I am really focused on 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 that area. So when I when I talk to organizations, it, it is trying to 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 do that. But it's you know the other day I was was talking to an organization, and um, you know, I actually got the request. You know, don't 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 scare our employees uh, when you talk about <laughs> AI because they, you know they might get scared that they would lose their jobs, um, which is a which is a very you know relevant uh, fear that that employees have and and that the employers need to 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 go about in the right way because again if employees fear that they are get, losing their jobs they are certainly not going to help you in your digital transformation process, um, um, so. But there are also there are different levels of understanding. You, know, you can you can have um, a, a detailed understanding of, of how AI works and how it impacts your your business, or um, a, a, a more superficial level, which often you know can be uh, sufficient already to move to move forward. Um, it really depends on how far you want to go, how soon you want to change your organization organization to what kind of you know level of understanding you you require basically. Very good. Um, and then, and I guess, sorry, I, I, I as you say more, th as you, as you speak more and you bring up more points that just, I, I get more ideas about things that I want to talk to you about. I'm sorry. Um, one thing that I actually, I did want to ask you about, you, you tweeted, actually, I think it's your pinned, your pinned tweet. And I'm just curious. I think I understand what it means, but I, I want you to explain it for me as well. Cause I thought, I thought it was an interesting statement. Digitalism will mark the end of liberalism and be the first truly global political doctrine, uh, a story where governments, companies, and citizens battle for data. What does that mean exactly? Sure. So first, for those who are going to my Twitter feed now, um, I changed my pin today, so oh. I'll have to <laughs> search okay. it. But I, I can share you the link in the, for, the, for the speaker notes. Um, but it's, um, now, yeah, digitalism is a new theory that I've, I've been developing um, for about a year now. And uh, um, um, it's a way where I think, you know, everything is, is being digitized at the moment, the entire planet, everything that we do. Uh, uh, but data gives, comes with tremendous power. Um, um, as we know from the large tech companies, the Googles, the Facebook of these worlds. Um, uh, but they also should come, and that's what I always say, with great responsibility of how to deal with that. Um, and what I envision, what I foresee happening is you know, liberalism is nearing its end. You know, and I'm not the only one who says that. Uh, you know, Yuval Noah Harari uh, um, also states that that you, because of big data, because of AI, uh, liberalism is you know, nearing its ending. Um, and we see this happening all all over the place. You know, free competition does it really still exist? Um, uh, you know, Facebook, the Googles of this world, they buy every company, every startup uh, that's out there. So does it really still exist? You know, um, uh, free will does that still exist? Uh, you know, we have recommendations algorithms that determine everything for us um, um, so you know liberalism is you know uh, running into a few problems at the moment um, but at the, and at the same time we I see that you know a lot of organizations and governments understand the power that data brings so um, what I see is that you know um, uh, uh, in the next 10 20 30 years uh, uh, the struggle within society is, is the struggle uh, the fight around data who owns this data and who can do something with this data um, and on the one hand, we have the governments and the corporations. And on the other hand, we have uh, the citizens, us, you and me. Um, um, and uh, both parties have different perspectives, have different objectives and have different, you know, um, uh, uh, what, what they require. And so digitalism is this fight around, you know, this most important resource ever 
mean, found or created by humans. Um, and um, it can basically go in three directions. Um, so um, digitalism has three streams. Um, uh, the first one is state digitalism, which basically means that, that you know the, the government uses data um, to enslave its citizens. Um, and you know, this is something we see happening in China. You know, it's mass surveillance. You know, in, in Xinjiang, you know, they, they have they have they have developed an AI panopticon uh, where you know everyone the, the, the state knows everything about its citizens uh, that, that that's that's been, that they do. And now, especially with you know COVID nineteen, you know, they they have QR codes to leave the house to enter a building. They scan everything, the, your your temperature. They have a social credit score, so they really use data to 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 enslave their their citizens. That's not a society I would like to live in. Um, no, and, definitely uh, not. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, then you have a second stream, which which is neo digitalism, which is basically corporate surveillance, and you know where you know, we have these large corporate organizations that are, have become so incredibly powerful um, that the governments they can't really do anything anymore. Um, uh, um, you know we see this happening with uh, 2018 in in the U.S. Senate, where the senators asked Mark Zuckerberg basically how the internet worked, um, and you know, those are the people who are you know <laughs> who are making the legislation <laughs> for the citizens. Well, good luck with that. You know that's not going to happen, yeah. and it's not only in the U.S. Or it's also happening in the, in, in the Netherlands, uh, where you know uh, the legislators have a very limited understanding of what technology means and how technology is impacting organizations. But the the, the, the result is that you know these tech companies are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. They are so incredibly powerful, and they basically use the data to enslave the customers for the shareholders. Um, again, that's not a society I would like to live in. Um, um, and then the final phase is is what I call modern digitalism, which I think is the most positive approach to to data. And we use here we use data to empower the citizens. So we have, you know, ethical use of AI. We have, you know, uh, self-sovereign identities. We have uh, full control over your, your data, uh, full uh, secure secured data, uh, uh, privacy, um, uh, a concept called anonymous accountability. So you, you can be anonymous, but you're still being accountable for whatever you do. Um, and, and that's sort of what I see happening in Europe. You know, we, Europe has developed, came up with the GDPR. Um, they have AI regulations. They came up with this risk-based based approach to, to AI where they said, you know, you know, we don't want facial recognition in, 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 in Europe. We don't want social credit scores in Europe. Um, and all other AI needs to be regulated very, very well. Um, um, and so that's sort of the theory of digitalism. It's still under development. I'm still you know, trying to, to, to figure out how this works. Um, but I think it's, it's these three streams um, that will uh, you know, uh, take over the entire world. And depending on, on, on in which society you live, this is either something to look forward to or something to be really, really afraid of. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Canva. Now, as you all know, I'm a doer. If I want to get something done, I try and do it myself, which has its own set of issues in terms of me scaling. But one thing that I was never good at was design. I was never good at creating graphics, creating marketing collateral. I always needed the help of a designer until I started using Canva. And I have been a constant user of Canva for the past, I don't even know, three years, four years. It's been a while. And democratizing design, allowing anybody with virtually zero skill to create incredible looking things has allowed me to create better websites, better social media, better white papers, better pitch decks, better quotes, it has literally allowed me, an individual with virtually zero design capability, to create pieces of work, content, whatever it may be, that rivals what I could get out of a designer for hundreds or if not thousands of dollars and significant time invested. 
Canva is a game changer when it comes to design. And it really is the one-stop shop for you to be able to design things like a pro. It boosts your productivity immensely. It has all of the premium photos, audio, video, anything you want to incorporate in your design, all those elements that you'd normally pay for, it's included in a low monthly fee. And regardless of whether or not it's making an Instagram story or putting together a presentation for work, it has pre-made templates that you can use. And that's my favorite part about it because it gives you inspiration that you can draw on with professionally designed pre-made templates for almost any graphic design project you can possibly think of. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a marketer, if you're a solopreneur, if you're a founder, and you're just trying to scale yourself, scale your team, or just give your team great tools so that they can get more done in less time, Canva is really something you should check out. And they put together a special offer for All Success Story podcast listeners. Normally, you get a very short, free trial of Canva Pro, which includes everything I just mentioned but they're letting you try it free for 45 days. So that's an extended trial that is only available to Success Story podcast listeners. And if you want to take advantage of this, go to canva.me slash success story. That is canva.me slash S-U-C-C-E-S-S-S-T-O-R-Y and you can get 45 days of free Canva Pro. No commitment required. Try it out. Play around with all the features. You'll thank me later. All right, let's get back to the show. Do you think that, what do you think the end result? Because you already are seeing this um, start to start to manifest in a certain direction in, in Europe. Um, like you mentioned before, those Senate hearings, uh, obviously it showed a lack of true understanding of technology, but obviously that will also change with time as well, right? There are there are applications that are focused on that on that positive digitalism in in North America, and as legislators move out and new ones move in with a better understanding of technology, the sentiment will also change. Do you what do you think the end result will be in North America? Do you think it will model Europe, or do you think it will be its own own form? I, of I hope so. I, I hope it will model Europe also for, for U.S. citizens. Uh, uh, but it, it, don't, don't forget you know, this hearing what I'm referring to was in 2018 uh, when the internet is already 25 years old. Um, That's uh, very true. And, uh, and it took 25 <laughs> years to figure out how the internet worked, well, to be explained how the internet worked. Uh, but I think it's also a generational uh, uh, mm-hmm. challenge here because you know, the old generation um, um, is still, still in power um, and they are from an era where we didn't have any you know, internet, where we didn't have mobile phones, uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, now we are slowly to moving into you know, the generation that is in power that, that has seen both. You know, uh, I am from the generation I remember very well an era where we didn't have mobile phones, um, mm-hmm. where we had to uh, you know, call up our friends, uh, you know, to make an appointment, and we would actually be there at the time that we agreed upon because otherwise <laughs> there was no way to to, to connect each other. Um, and um, uh, but uh, you know, in the next ten to twenty years, you know, it will be uh, the the, the genera- generation Z, I think they are called, in the latest generation, which have grown up with with TikTok they have grown up with uh, you know Facebook Google um, uh, v- VR um, AI uh, so 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 these they are digital natives and they they I think they have a different approach to digitalization um, yeah, and um, yeah. um, 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 I hope and I think what you, you you see happening as well is that Generation Z is, is much more aware of that also of the of the the powers that digitalization brings but also the responsibilities that come with it so um, um, for America I think there's still hope for China I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, yeah I'm a bit more worried uh, because the, the, yeah, the, the well, government I is so powerful that, yeah that's fair 
and I think that that's you know I think China is its its own beast and and how they manage this, and I don't think that's I I don't think that's really what the what the Western world is is trying to focus on in terms of 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 where the ideal digital society ends up. I don't think that China would be the model. I think that Europe is a, is a good model. There's is probably um, uh, Europe is probably is probably leading the way in terms of a lot of this. Actually, they're very uh, they're very strict with with data, very very strict. Um, and I and I'm not sure I'm not sure why that part of the world decided to be so strict with data, but it's just seems like they're very just forward thinking in, in how they try and control and 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 combat any sort of negativity that comes with collecting data. I don't know if you have a historical idea as to why, but I, I see it. I I think that, that the history definitely plays a role here. You know, um, Germany, of course, in, in the Second World War, um, um, you know, I think Germany has one of the most strict strict privacy uh, legislation in, in the world because of the war. Because of the Stasi um, um, that knew everything about what was going on um, in um, in East Germany, um, um, so I think that has definitely that definitely plays a role here. And um, uh, you know, Germany is is, is a, a powerful nation within Europe, um, and and I think that 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 that's what's yeah being reflected. Um, but I think it's yeah I think it is it's 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 a good thing that that we have this. Um, and uh, yeah, Europe is still a very economic an economic power. You know, 500 million uh, rich uh, consumers. Uh, so therefore, you, you see that this GDPR, for example, um, uh, as it has an effect uh, on the entire world, um, uh, yeah. which which is good. No, I I think it's just very interesting to just to look at history and see how it impacts. It. And I think that Germany is a great example. That's that that is very interesting. Um, okay, so I guess uh, we we've gone through we've okay, so we've gone through data, we've gone through AI, we've gone through blockchain. Um, and I guess the the last thing that you know we we sort of touched on in a few different ways was was the future of work and you're sort of living you're a living example of the future of work and the way that you've <laughs> digitized yourself and and you're you're putting yourself out there in the in an avatar hologram format um just a few a few thoughts from you i i know this all these topics are so great and honestly we could probably do like one show on every one of these topics and go really deep on it but you're a wealth of knowledge and all these different things. So I just wanted to pick your brain on all these different things. So future of work, what are some, what are some thoughts on the future of work post pandemic? What, what do we think work looks like going forward? Uh, what's changed? What's changed because of the pandemic? What's changed regardless of, of the pandemic? Just some thoughts on that. So I, I think the, the, the pandemic is sort of a blessing in disguise. Um, uh, you know, how, no matter how extremely terrible it is, you know, and all the people who, who died, but it is, it, if there's one silver lining to this to, to this terrible crisis, is is that it really kickstarted digital transformation across the world. Um, and, you know, if I every year, every year in, in December, I, I I write a trend prediction of, of what I think the, the trends will be for for the next year. And if I had written in 2019 uh, that uh, half a year later, 99 percent of the organizations would work remotely. You know, people would call would have called me totally crazy. <laughs> but yeah. this is what happened, um, yeah. and um, I think that is um, uh, one of the, the good things that came out of this crisis. That that people found out, you know, hey, look, actually, we we can 
work from home. We can work remotely. Um, and you know, there are really cool technologies out there. And uh, yeah, of course, I can only see, yeah, I, I see it you know, predominantly from, from my perspective in the Netherlands and Europe, you know, and then here in the Netherlands, you know, we have you know, a perfect uh, infrastructure. Um, so, you know, it, it, the internet never went down and everyone still had 100 meg, 200 megabytes uh, download speed. So, you know, Zoom calls, uh, Google Hangouts, uh, they all work perfectly. Um, uh, I think that, that that really helped. But it also showed that, you know, uh, if you if organizations really need to change, then they can, it seems so that they can actually they can change, um, um, and we should use this this understanding to to continuously change the organizations also post pandemic um, uh, and start to you know incorporating uh, um, uh, digital technologies for the benefit of, of of the customer for the benefit of the citizen um, um, uh, to do so and and there's now there's no excuse anymore um, that you can't do this because we have proven to ourselves that we can. So I think that's it's been uncomfortable, but yeah. Been, oh yeah, it's been it. very uncomfortable. Uh, but but we have managed to do so, um, and I think from now on, uh, now it's a it's it's a way forward, uh, onwards and upwards of how to um, how to use and embrace these technologies uh, more and more to to really create uh, the organization of tomorrow, which as I mentioned is, is a data organization that that that's that's there for its stakeholders um, and and society. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's wrap up because most people don't listen longer than uh, than an hour. So I'll ask I'll ask some some rapid fire uh, career questions um, that based on your experience, just to give some insights to some people that are earlier on in their career that want to learn from from the the brand you've built, the community you've built. Um, is there anything? Uh, I'll go into that line of questioning in a, in a moment. Is there anything that you wanted to to bring up or discuss that uh, that we didn't get into today? Um, no, I think we we covered most of it that I wanted good. to share. You know, <laughs> <Did a good laughs> job. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 one thing that I want to do give 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 to listeners is now you know, uh, we are actually living in exponential times. You know, the the the, the, the era of linear thinking is over, um, and uh, you know we've really we are really coming out of the curve of the hockey stick uh, when it comes to technologies because all these technologies are converging at the moment, um, and and that is you know is, is what's going to have this massive impact and that's why i think you know the the 2020s um, will be one of the most important decade of of humanity because you know how are we going to use these technologies how are we going to apply these technologies to all the massive problems that we face um such as climate change such as the pandemic um, um we can use these technologies to to to, to yeah to to counter these um, um so it's it's important as an organization as a business owner as a as a as, an, as a manager as an employee you know you know we have reached the era of exponential um, uh, thinking, of exponential change, um, and you should be aware of that and prepare yourself for that. Very good. Um, okay, so over your career, what was your biggest challenge in your personal career, and how did you overcome that? Well, um, I think my my biggest challenge was, um, you know, um, uh, when when the pandemic hit, um, uh, you know, yeah. um, I had built my my company, um, and I had, you know, I was in a nice comfortable position, and, and overnight, boom, it was gone. 
um, and um, um, not only my speaking business, also my content platform, just, you know, advertising revenue just drained. Um, so mm-hmm. I was hit on two faults. Um, and, and, but then, uh, you know, I think you know, there, there's, there are two things you can do. You can cry in a corner and, and be really sad um, or, or you can get up um, and uh, you know, face the, the new reality and try to reinvent yourself. And that's what I did. Um, and uh, that, that gives me so much energy now, uh, but it has been, it has been yeah, quite difficult, to, uh, so to say. True, but it's it's a good lesson as well that you did it successfully. Um, uh, what would be one lesson that you would tell your younger self? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> um, I think you should just um, really try to um, you know be um, be adaptive and be flexible, um, and um, you know. Uh, I've I've been flexible. Um, I think I could have been more flexible and adaptive in the early start of my career. Um, um, again, also for me, when I was hit with the pandemic, that that was when I really changed my the, the things around. Um, but I think adaptability um, is becoming one of the most important career traits or, or, or skills that you, that you need um, because um, you know careers are going to change much faster than they have ever done. So um, you need to be able to change. You need to be able to be flexible um, and to 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 yeah think uh, in in new new ways. Good. Um... Pick one person who had uh, a major impact on your life. Who is that person and what did they teach you? Um, well, I, I, I don't know him personally, but uh, um, I'm, I have a lot of respect for Elon Musk um, uh, by, by what he, he does um, on, on how, he, how he has built his companies um, and how he's, he, he has this stakeholder, uh, stakeholder uh, mm-hmm. model. Um, um, what he's doing with, with at the moment in the crypto space is a different story, but you know how how he how he's building SpaceX and Tesla and 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 and, and really has this long term uh, vision uh, that he you know, he starts you know digging and, and start uh, start start building um, um, is something that I that I take away um, um, and that I try to do as well. Very good. And uh, a book or podcast recommendation that people should go check out. Besides, besides your own, I'll plug, I'll plug your book in the show notes, <laughs> something that else, something else that you've, that you've listened to or, or read. Um, I, I like the, the, the podcast Futurized uh, very much um, uh, by, by Trond uh, on, Onheim, I think. Um, and um, uh, he discusses with a lot of different people uh, on, on, on different technologies and really goes into, into depth. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah it, it's about the future. You know, it's about leading edge technology. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, I have to like that. <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's very good. Good recommendation. I, I haven't had that recommendation before on this show, so that's good. Um, and then most importantly, what does success mean to you? Success to me means having fun in what you're doing. Um, I think you need to, uh, if, you, if you enjoy what you're doing, uh, you're happy and, and success comes by itself. Um, I think too many people don't um, enjoy their work or whatever they do. Um, and I think if you don't enjoy, you should change. Uh, so for me, success is, you know, being happy uh, where I am and, and enjoying what I do. Very good. And then most importantly, uh, how do people get in touch with you, your social website, email, whatever you want to give? Sure. So I think the, the easiest uh, uh, ways is through LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, uh, the Twitter handle is at Van Rijmenam, which might be a bit difficult for the listeners. Uh, but you can also go to, uh, to the digitalspeaker.com, which is easier, uh, or dataflog.com, uh, where you can find me. Um, and you know, Or just a Google search. Um, I'm pretty much out there. 
It's it, it is a unique name. So I'll, so <laughs> for Twitter, it's at V A N R I G M E N A M, and I'm not going to pronounce it again. But that's his Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No. No worries. No worries. All right. Um, that's perfect. That's that's all I got, Mark. That's all I got. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. It's been a pleasure. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 